it's about flourishing financially and then levering off of that to flourish in every domain that is interested, whether it's health and fitness, whether it's relationships, marriage and family, to their career and the impact they want to make there. Once you identify what are those things that matter to you, those require a temporal investment. And then the question is, how do you allocate and support from a financial standpoint this life that the client wants to live? Financial decisions are endlessly complicated. There's a whole academic literature that tries to study them and improve them. And of course, there's a whole financial advisory industry that tries to help people improve their decisions as well. But there exists a divide between the two. I'm Pal Hirschfield, a professor of marketing, behavioral decision-making, and psychology at UCLA's Anderson School of Management. And on the behavioral divide, we study that gap and try to figure out what sort of insights can we learn to help people make better financial decisions. When it comes to happiness, money can absolutely play a role. You might be thinking, of course, having more money means more happiness. But that may not be true for everyone. For many people, living a fulfilled life goes beyond finances. But might we be able to increase happiness and meaning in life through the decisions we make with our money today? I spoke with Cassie Holmes, a professor and colleague at UCLA, on her latest research, which looks at how well-being is affected by how much time we have and how we use it. In our discussion, we explore considerations for spending money so that we may use our time in more meaningful ways for greater lasting happiness. I am absolutely delighted to have with us here today, Cassie Holmes. She's a professor of marketing and behavioral decision-making at UCLA's Anderson School of Management. She's also my friend and collaborator and the author of the best-selling Happier Hour, How to Beat Distraction, Expand Your Time, and focus on what matters most. Cassie, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So, you know, I've read the book and I, it's amazing. Uh, to my mind, one of the most important takeaways that I got from it was, was not that we need to somehow add more time to our lives, but rather figure out ways to make the time that we have count more and have that time be spent in more meaningful ways. Now, th those, of course, were, were my personal takeaways, but I'm, I'm curious if you could speak a bit to what you found to be the most important takeaways from your research program over the last several years. Yeah, and I would agree with you that I think the important thing, especially um, of sort of falling out of what motivated the book, which was me feeling like I didn't have enough time um, to do everything that I needed to and wanted to do. And that feeling of being time poor, which so many folks feel this acute feeling of not having enough hours in the day um, is really negative and it makes us unhappy. And our research shows that it also makes us less healthy. It makes us less nice because we're less likely to take the time to help others out. And it also makes us really overwhelmed and stressed and depleted. And in those moments of feeling that way, often the thought is, if only I had more time, then I'd be happier. And we tested that. You and I tested that, actually, Hal, in our research. And right. to look at what is the relationship between the amount of time we have and our happiness. And what we found in analyzing data from tens of thousands of working and non-working Americans that actually 
there is such thing as having too much time. So yes, people with too little discretionary hours, too little time to spend how they want are less happy. But what was really interesting was that there is actually when folks have too many hours available with nothing to show for those hours, not feeling productive, and that undermines sense, people's sense of purpose, it leaves them dissatisfied. And I actually think that that's helpful for those of us as in those like moments where we're running around and feeling just stressed and overwhelmed that, in fact, it having more time available isn't the answer. And really the answer is, okay, how do I invest the time that I have to feel more satisfied and fulfilled? And not only is that a question of what activities to spend time on, maximizing time on activities that are worthwhile, minimizing time on activities that feel like a waste, but even, and I actually think this is a really important takeaway based off of coming out of my research, looking at the happiness that is potentially there in the time that you're spending, if you but pay attention, if you are not distracted during even those yeah. most worthwhile activities. Um, and so it's not about being time rich. It's about making the time that you have rich in order to feel happier and more fulfilled. I love that takeaway. I mean, I think it 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 maps onto you know what what I've gotten out of the book and what I've gotten out of out of your research. Now, of, of course, not just the not just the little of it that I've done with you, but but the broader program. Um, you know, I, I also think that these are topics that may really resonate with advisors and their clients. You know, you know when there's been more of a the traditional focus on conversations around finances, but I, you know, my, my anecdotal take is that more and more advisors, and this is oversimplifying, but more and more advisors are talking about these sorts of topics with their clients. And I'm, I'm curious from your perspective, when it comes to advisor client conversations, what role do you think conversations around time should play um, in those sorts of meetings and interactions between financial advisors and their clients? Yeah, time should play a, a really big role because it is the resource that we are living. Um, you know, the hours that we spend sum up to our days and then the years and our life overall. And so in these questions of how are we uh, sort of thinking about financial resources, it's really a question of how do we invest in such a way that... Um, folks feel happy. And when I say happy, it's not a sort of frivolous passing thing. It is about how you experience your days as well as how satisfied you feel about your life. Um, and there is a lot to be said for investing in our time such that mm -hmm. it is maximizing, as I mentioned, the amount of time we spend on worthwhile activities, minimizing the time that we spend on activities that feel like a waste and money can absolutely sort of contribute to that, that outcome. Right. So there's hmm. actually work that looks at, um, how do we spend money to bring greater happiness and greater lasting right. happiness? And often the answer is about time. So oftentimes the thing that we're looking to offset is looking back with regret. And so hmm. often, um, in this sort of go, go, go culture um, where we are just uh, 
sort of reacting to activities and pressures and expectations that are coming from outside um, of really being more deliberate and intentional and choosing how do we want to dedicate our efforts and really it's our time and um, using money to support um, those choices. I, I absolutely love the idea of offsetting those, you know, the possibility of looking back with regret, right? It's like almost in the the the, the P and L of life, right? This would be one of the the big losses is to have spent our time in a way that we then later regret. And how do we spend our money now? How do we invest it now so that that doesn't happen? And so, if you were talking to a busy advisor who's talking to a busy client, I'm curious, you know, what aspects of time expenditures, if you will, would you recommend that they focus on? Well. There are a couple of approaches for one to identify what are those worthwhile ways of spending. Um, And one is actually tracking temporal expenditure, sort of like you do a budget, (laughs) you know, like your money. But if you, um, and I uh, share in happier hours sort of instructions on how to do this, but over the course of a week, writing down what activities you're doing and rating on a 10 point scale coming out of that activity, how you feel, how satisfied, how fulfilled. And from at the end of the week, you have this amazing data set that's personalized to you. So you can look across and be like, what are those activities? What are those temporal expenditures that are most worthwhile, that are satisfying and fulfilling? Also, you can see what are those ways of spending time that might be actually because you can see just how much time you're spending across your activities. What are those ways of spending that aren't only not that happy, but maybe not even that necessary? And what this allows you to do is then be like, okay, coming up, what are the sort of commonalities across your most satisfying experiences as well as the activities themselves such that you can devote time to that. Sometimes it is about social connection and time invested in your relationships. Sometimes it's actually even the particular activities within your work that are actually worthwhile um, Hmm. versus all of that, that sort of noise. It's about reflecting and identifying what is your worthwhile way of spending um, so that you prioritize time for that and don't let days and weeks just sort of pass um, with nothing to feel fulfilling, like that you haven't actually gotten anything out of the time that you spend, even though being super busy. I think it's fascinating to think about a almost a budgeting exercise for the way that we spend our time. And, and, you know, whereas on the surface level, you might say, is that really something that belongs in the conversation between advisors and clients? I think on a deeper level, you realize it absolutely, it absolutely should be. Um, Just, just to put a point on it, how do you think our financial resources should play into that particular time budgeting conversation. In other words, once I've done that exercise and realize maybe where I may shift some of the balance of my time, is there a role or or rather where is the role that money can play to help that along? Yeah. So if you identify that there are ways that you're spending your time um, that aren't, um, don't feel sort of emotionally worthwhile or that are not uh, serving your overall passions and pursuits, then that might be time that you should outsource if someone else can do that just as well 
um, such that you outsource that time, you put some money against that so that it frees up that time, um, not to squander, but to then invest that time in those activities that are really worthwhile for you. And I do think sort of touching back on uh, maybe being a little uh, more direct in my answer, it is absolutely important for financial advisors who are looking to support their clients in um, designing a life that is fulfilling and um, sustainable, right? Um, so with that, it's absolutely too important to identify what are the things that matter and what are those things that matter to you um, and that might come in the form of your family members and time with those family members. It might come in the form of what projects or jobs or passions you want to pursue. Um, and once you identify what are those things that matter to you, those require a temporal investment. And then the question is, how do you um, sort of allocate and support from a financial standpoint this life that the client wants to live? That is wonderful advice. And to me, it's really groundbreaking. I feel like it pushes the conversation that much further beyond the sort of classic resource of money into maybe an even more important one, which is our time, as you've made such a compelling case for. Cassie Holmes, thank you so much for being with us today. I really appreciate you spending your time uh, with me in this conversation. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Clearly, I love the research that Cassie has done. I think it offers a valuable perspective on how we can make the most of our time and money. But also, I think it can contribute to the conversations that advisors have with their clients, bringing the focus of well-being beyond their financial picture. Along these lines, as I found in my discussion with Joseph Janicek, founder of advisory firm Janicek Wealth Management, finding creative ways and tools to evolve the advisor-to-client interaction towards a more holistic view of the client's life may prove valuable. In our conversation, we dig into how Joseph's firm has approached bridging this gap between financial well-being on the one hand and other aspects of one's life that matter for overall happiness on the other. All right, today I'm very excited to be here with Joseph Janicek, founder of Janicek Wealth Management, located in Denver, and also founder of Flourish Worldwide, which is the maker of the app Flourish 360. Joseph, thanks so much for being here today. Great to be here, Hal. So Joseph, you've been in the business for, for 30 plus years now. Um, and I, I'm curious if you might be able to walk me through what a client meeting looked like, you know, whether it was 20 years ago, 25 years ago versus what a client meeting looks like today. You, you know, what's similar and, and maybe in particular, what's different? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, the technology didn't help us as much 25, 30 years ago, even though, you know, we're definitely in the computer age, et cetera. The information was a bit dated back then compared to today, and you didn't have as much technology helping. So, you know, I kind of equate it to, we now have real-time MRI type of level of information available on the client there to help those meetings be well, uh, instead of outdated x-rays. <laughs> so what it really means is in those situations that the meeting can really uh, be very clear and concise on where someone is and get into all the elements of 
how their money is affecting their whole life and what they want to do better. So, so I think it's really uh, improved meetings with clients tremendously. So if I, if I'm hearing you correctly, there's, you know, much more automation when it comes to the focus on the, the financials, if you will, which has opened up more space to talk about the rest of the client. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm curious if you might be able to almost balance yeah. that out or, you know, or, or, or graph that out for me. What, what, you know, how much attention do you pay, not just to the overall portfolio outcomes, but, uh, you know, I, I know this would be sound crazy, but to, to happiness and well-being and satisfaction and these sorts of more fuzzy concepts. Sure. Well, well, first on the technical side, we have something called, we call strength-based wealth management, and that's a whole discipline of really having strong finances. So because that's all taken care of and has a you know red, yellow, green type of dashboard mm-hmm. associated with it, you don't have to focus as much as on those smaller issues there or evidence-based investing uh, and proactive tax planning, those type of things. So uh, but by having that type of information in front of us, instead of trying to deal with those smaller issues that we've already proactively taken care of. You know, we, like our meetings, as example, when we're talking to the client, we start our agenda. We have what's called a clarity session agenda. And it starts with, tell us something good news about what's happening in your life. So that right there helps us see where the client is. And they're talking about, you know, something that happened in their family or their business or their career um, or some great trip they took. And that starts us off really right as far as on a human level, connecting with them where they're at. Uh, and, and then, the, you know, the next part of that process is an update on just what's happening in their life and their circumstances and their goals. And, you know, we're listening carefully for, you know, what, what's happening that is good and pro- making progress and that they're happy about. And what are they struggling with? Is there a complexity or, or something that they're worried about? And that helps the whole agenda focus on really fine-tuning the advice to that client versus just kind of going over an agenda that we preconceived. So it's, it's a much more integrated, um, dynamic type of client meeting and session than just straight numbers and agenda that was set long ago. You know, I'd love to go a little deeper on that. I, I think it's fascinating to sort of start with that, you know, what's going well in your life? Because re- you're right, it really does set the tone to be a conversation that's that's about more than just money, right? But <laughs> where might that conversation go? What does that look like? You know, I don't know. I'm wondering yeah. if you might be able to give an example almost of, sure. of that. Well, well, even more, we have a whole process called the Total Client Profile that ends up giving them a 11 by 17 sheet that goes over their top values, their top goals, the relationships they have, uh, uh, the impact they want to make in life, and their interests. And between those five categories, you re- if you think about it, their meaning in life comes from many times their values, right? Um, their goals, for sure absolutely their relationships. And then when you talk about the impact they want to make in their business, you know, we we have one client who, very successful business owner, who's now launching this company. He's going to be the next billionaire in the world, I'm sure, because he is so passionate and created, he has 
150 patents around this topic, and he's so passionate about it and the impact he wants to make in the world. And by the way, he's donating most of the growth and profits of it to his foundation. So, so when you get into those type of issues, you're really getting in touch with that client. And then, of course, just interest. I mean, from, hey, we're interested in going to Europe. We're interested in this traveling. I mean, so you're able to hit on where you, they want their wealth, how they want that wealth support them living a more um, happy, right, meaningful life, making a greater impact in the world. And I just think that's, that's really where it comes from. You know, what you're talking about reminds me of some recent academic research that's really spotlighted the difference between an abundance of resources and how we spend those resources. So some research talks about how, you know, it's not the amount of time that we have, but how we spend that time. It's not the amount of money that we have, but how we spend that money, which feels quite related to this 11 by 17 concept that you're, that you're talking about. And I wonder if you could speak a little to how you developed that exercise, how you develop that thinking around that particular uh, 11 by 17 conversation with clients. Right. Well, I've always loved having a visual and a tool that can really encompass everything we hear in the client meeting and put it in one place that can be reviewed, reviewed at, you know, from time to time. And so, so after having all these questions that we interview to come up with this total client profile interview, and then I really just, I've always been visual. So this is how I took my notes anyway. And I just created it into a tool. And by the way, you know, we put hearts around things that have to do with really emotion and love, et cetera. There could be lightning bolts to yeah. emphasize areas where they might have fear or concerns or worry. Uh, there's arrows out for things that they want to grow in. There's arrows in for things that they want to reduce and small and get smaller at or, or have less of their time doing. So but the idea of it is having a tool where it puts it all in one place and our clients love it. They usually say, wow, I, I, in one page, I'm seeing my whole life. I can't believe you did this. And, uh, but more so than that is we refer to it and review it every so often in our clarity sessions um, and update, right? Because goals change, circumstances change. Uh, and, um, and it's a great way to capture that and then talk about how this applies to their portfolio. How does it apply to their wealth management? How does it apply to their allocation of their time? And that's why I love connecting the dots with that tool. Joseph, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to be on the show today. Joseph Janicek, founder of Janicek Wealth Management, headquartered in Denver. Thanks again for being here. Thank you. This work that Joseph and his firm have been doing to broaden the discussion with their clients and visualize a total picture of their financial and non-financial well-being, you know, I find it fascinating. And it's interesting to me that there appear to be some threads of common ground between what Cassie's research has found and what Joseph's firm has found works with clients. All right, so let, let me see if I can summarize here with a few takeaways. First, it seems that attaining financial stability and securing your financial future, those are obviously still incredibly worthwhile pursuits. But we might benefit from understanding that happiness and meaning in life may not come solely from how much money you have or how much time you have, but rather, if we're conscious of spending our time on the things that bring us joy, and if we can understand how we can use our financial resources to support them, then we may find a more fulfilling life. And second, these issues, these issues that go beyond finances, 
can and like I'm going to go so far as to say maybe should have a place within the advisor client relationship. Joseph's firm has put much of this into practice already. Advisors that consider this holistic view of their client and support these aspects of their clients' lives, I suggest that they may be able to deliver even greater value and develop stronger, longer term relationships. Thanks for listening today. You know, I'd love to hear from you on how you think about these trade-offs between time and money and happiness. You can, of course, find my email in the show notes. So feel free to drop me your thoughts to contribute to this discussion on how we can spend to enhance meaning in our lives. You've been listening to The Behavioral Divide, brought to you by Avantis Investors. This material has been prepared for educational purposes only and is not intended as a personalized recommendation or fiduciary advice. It is not intended to provide and should not be relied upon for investment, accounting, legal, or tax advice.